Welcome, everybody, to episode 12 of In and Out with me, your host, Albert Vartanian, and always, or as always, I should say, joining me, Martin Levenois. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, sir. It's good to be back once again. So I was listening to the last episode, and I'm like, man, I didn't even plug anything. I didn't say, you know, go subscribe, go like, go rate and review. So I should probably do it off to the top. So if you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please, if you look down, there should be a, a five star there. Hit the five star rating, drop a comment, review it. We'd greatly appreciate it. As I mentioned before, it helps push the podcast up the charts. And, you know, me and Marty, we're pushing for the top, we're pushing for, for, for the mountaintop. El Capitan, right, Marty? El Capitan. This isn't a mid-table podcast. We want top of the table. Yeah, right now we're like battling for relegation, let's be honest. Yeah. But we're like, you know, we're like Sheffield United last year, you know? We got, we got a good structure. We just need the backing, you know? We need the backing from the board. Or we're like Leicester City, you know, that year before they won the Premier League. And then, and then soon we're going to have Andrea Bocelli singing for us, you know? So. Dude, if I get Andrea Bocelli to sing for us on this podcast, we've made it. So, yes, we're the Leicester City. We're, try- we're, we're in Leicester City season before they won the championship. We're trying to avoid relegation right now. We're on the bubble. Not with the scandal and, like, the Thai women and stuff, but we're there. Anyway, let's just continue before I get myself in trouble. Martin Levenwald, we were supposed to have a Friday. Premier League matchup between Newcastle and Aston Villa. But unfortunately, it has been postponed because of a coronavirus outbreak. Apparently, a large number of Steve Bruce's squad is affected, and the Premier League board agreed with Newcastle to suspend the game. So for FPL managers, no Friday deadline. It's now been moved to Saturday at 6 a.m. EST. Check your local time from whenever that is. I I don't know. But for us, Eastern time, it's 6 a.m., and I think we should probably start off the show talking about some of those players that would have played in that game. Probably, most importantly, Jack Grealish, Marty. A lot of people are not going to have him. They're going to have to put him on their bench. But I'm sure there's going to be some owners who want to ship him out because he isn't playing. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I totally understand the logic. And as a, dra- a Jack Grealish owner, and even I have Ollie Watkins as well, it's it's tempting to to make a move and – um, to see what you can get this week. And obviously, I think it'll all depend on, on what your plan is moving forward. Um, if you have your wild card still in your, in your back pocket waiting, waiting to use that. Um, but personally, I'm going to hold Jack Relish. I want to see um, when this game does get rescheduled. I imagine in doing, doing some digging online and uh, on Twitter, most people seem to think this, the best chance for this game to be rescheduled will actually be after the new year. Um, potentially in game week 17 or afterwards. And um, I get why people would want to jump off Jack Grealish um, because you don't want that blank this weekend. Maybe your bench isn't strong um, or any other Aston Villa player if you have them. I, I understand it, but the, the upcoming fixtures are still favorable. So I'm, I'm going to hold, especially because I know that very likely in January, we could see one or two double game weeks for Aston Villa because keep in mind they haven't had their game week one fixture rescheduled yet um, along with both Manchester clubs and I believe Burnley all have to get that rescheduled so um, I think hanging on because I don't want to have to ship him out and then try and bring him back in in the new year I plan on holding Jack Grealish I don't mind taking you know a blank from him or obviously less points from whoever comes in off my bench I don't necessarily have the strongest bench but personally, I think I just don't want to have to make one move to, to send him out and then another move later on to bring him back in because I know this is a player who at that price point um, is one of the best options. And 
Their fixtures are great up until the new year. And then in January, it's a little bit difficult, but I want those double game weeks. And then after that, their fixtures open up once again. So I, I think it's worth holding Jack Grealish especially, um, but potentially other Aston Villa players as well, depending who you have. And you said it at 7.7, he has to be probably one of the best values. I mean, next to Jota at current form, but you know, overall throughout the season, Jack Grealish has been fantastic. And I watched that game against West Ham and I feel like every time I watch Aston Villa and I see Jack Grealish, he is just getting better and better and better. And now he's starting to add goals to his game. And at 7.7, I mean, you just really can't, you really can't find another player who does what he does at the midfield. He, the heart of their attack runs through Jack Grealish. And, yeah, like you said, I mean, the fixtures aren't too bad. And if we hit a couple double game weeks with Jack Grealish, maybe uh, you can think about potentially captaining him. I know that's kind of a stretch, but if you're looking for a differential for a player who could score high points, it could be Jack Grealish. Um, other players uh, that are probably owned from those teams highly, Emiliano Martinez and Callum Wilson. Let's start with Martinez, Marty. Uh, if you don't want to make a transfer this week, but you don't have two number one keepers, I think you really have to ship out a keeper and use a transfer there, which I know we're, we're kind of against here, but I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, I hate making goalkeeper transfers any other time other than with my wild cards, or obviously this is a situation where you're forced into it. So I, I get that. Um, you know, if, if you're lucky, you can, um, you know, maybe for some reason your backup keeper is from a different club um, and he is happening to be a starting goalkeeper or you're running with maybe two 4.5 goalkeepers this whole season um, because Martinez started at that 4.5 price range. But I imagine very likely you're not. Uh, most managers probably have a 4.0 backup goalkeeper. So yeah. if you are looking to make that change, there's some decent options, I think. And Ideally, I think if you're making this switch, you don't want to have to switch back to Martinez soon because in, like we talked about with Grealish, I don't see the point of making two transfers, um, one out and then one to get the player back in so quickly. So I would look at long-term goalkeeping options. Um, and there's a few players who actually I, I think are decent options. I think if you look at, um, well, if you look at the top goals or the top scoring in FBL scoring goalkeepers right now, right. Uh, there is a four point, well, two, one is 4.5 and one is 4.6. So you have Alex McCarthy from Southampton who has a couple decent fixtures coming up. And even in their difficult fixtures, he seems to be making a lot of saves, um, scoring a good amount of points this season. He has, uh, let's see, 42 points on the season, which is the same as Martinez. So if you're looking at that price range, I think it's pretty good. Or, um, Melier from uh, from Leeds, I think, is a very good option just because 4.5, he's scoring the same. And I know they play Chelsea this weekend, which isn't the best fixture. But after that, their fixtures are pretty decent for the next little while over the Christmas period. And I think Leeds are one of those sides who, you know, yes, they've kept two clean sheets in a row, one against Arsenal and one against Everton, which is very good. But you, you'll probably have some weeks where they're going to concede quite a few, but he's always going to be making saves. He's going to put up decent bonus point potential. And I think those are good options at that price point if you don't have the money to spend up on a goalkeeper. Yeah, I agree. I mean, those are my options as well. Some, I mean, you can look at if maybe Fulham's keeper, if you want to go that way, they're getting better defensively, but I don't really trust him. He does make a lot of saves. You know, Leeds keeper makes a lot of saves. I think some people will look at the, the Liverpool backup keeper at the moment, Kelleher, I think you pronounce his name. But I mean, he's not a long-term fix. He's short-term, so I wouldn't go that way. 
And then there's the West Brom keeper, you know, Sam Johnstone, uh, another team who are leaking goals at the back. So, I mean, the, the ones you mentioned off the top, Marty, are probably the way to go. And I think one thing we should probably talk about when drafting our teams, should we, or selecting our teams, when we're selecting keepers, is it best to go with two number ones, Marty, just in case something like this does happen? Or an I mean, injury happens? It's a tough one because I, I get the logic, but you know, if anything, if you're going to do that, go with two point two 4.5 goalkeepers. So, for example, let's say you had McCarthy um, and Martinez to start the season or, or any other of these 4.5 goalkeepers. I get it for the rotation, but I just like a set and forget keeper myself. Yeah, so me too. I, I rather deal with an issue when it comes rather than having to, to, you know, select a goalkeeper every week from one of my number ones and possibly get the wrong one. Um, you know, maybe one guy keeps a clean sheet and one doesn't and you have that headache. So uh, I, I don't like that strategy personally, but I understand the logic sometimes. I just think the amount of times you're going to need your backup goalkeeper isn't that high. Like you're not going to use them more than a few times in a season, most likely. And in a situation like this, if you're forced into a transfer, you can always try and make a long-term move that that's going to benefit you. Because potentially you were looking at getting rid of, uh, Martinez anyways, just because Villa aren't keeping as many clean sheets as they were at the mm -hmm. beginning. So um, I, I wouldn't go with two number one goalkeepers myself. Yeah. If, if anything, you know, take the number one keeper. And if the backup on that same team is cheap enough, I think you would take him. I mean, Jed Steer, I think is a backup for Aston Villa at 4.0. So if you're going to have him on your bench anyway, you might as well pair him up with your number one keeper. If you're going to go with uh, Emiliano Martinez, I would touch on Callum Wilson quickly, but I don't know. What do you think, Marty? I mean, it. I feel bad for all the managers who brought him in this week because if you look, he's. I think he's been brought in by over two hundred thousand managers, and I mean, rightly so. It's it's just kind of a fluke uh, that this match is being rescheduled yeah, because because his his fixtures, if they were playing this weekend, would have been Aston Villa, West Brom, Leeds, and Fulham in their next four, which is uh, very good. And at at his price point and given his returns, I get it for sure. And yeah, I mean, if you brought him in. I don't think it's worth taking the extra hit just to send him back out again. I think you might as well hang on to him just because those three remaining fixtures um, before mm -hmm. their fixtures turn are pretty good. Um, but obviously, if you don't have him and you were considering him, I would wait. Just just obviously, no point in bringing a player who's not going to play for you this week. But if you brought him in, like I said, um, don't use another transfer to, to ship him out. I think it's a, it's a waste of the four points because most likely whoever you're going to bring in, um, even you know after that minus four hit, they need – a pretty big score to exactly. justify it, right? Yeah. So I don't think it's worth it. One thing to know for Callum Wilson, I watched that game against Crystal Palace, which was Newcastle's last game. And uh, Steve Bruce, the manager of Newcastle, started Joe Linton and Wilson up front together. And those two look so good. Like they, they just have that instant type of chemistry. And Joe Linton makes so much more space for Callum Wilson. So I think moving forward, if that's the way that Newcastle are going to go, if I'm a Callum Wilson owner, I hold on to him, especially like you said, Mario, with these fixtures coming up. I think there's goals there uh, because there's someone he can play off. You know, Joe Linton is the taller of the two, so there's going to be a lot of balls coming off of Joe Linton into Wilson, and even vice versa. I wouldn't say take Joe Linton, but there's going to be some upside for assists there with Callum Wilson. So I, I like what they're doing there at Newcastle. I don't expect them to score a ton of goals, but when they do score, it's probably going to be him. Uh, speaking of goal scorers, unfortunately, Raul Jimenez, Marty, against Arsenal. Uh, a head-to-head -head collision with David Luiz in the box, and it was it was horrible. I mean, I was watching the game live, and you heard the sound. It just it just didn't sound right. It was just a, a collision between the two. 
thankfully David Luiz uh, came away okay. I mean, he, you know, he was bleeding a little bit. I'm sure he had a, a couple stitches there. But Raul Jimenez fractured skull. He's out for the foreseeable future for Wolves. So um, a lot of Raul Jimenez owners out there. It looks like you're going to have to bring in another striker. But I think there is a chance where you can look at maybe bringing in some Wolves players. I mean, at the four positions are kind of slim. I think Fabio Silva who came on for him in that game is at the forward position, but I'm not sure how much he's actually going to play. We're going to have to see moving forward, but two players that I like, and I know that you like as well, Marty, Pedro Neto at 5.6. He's a midfielder and Podence at 5.4, both 3.2% owned and have a very good chance of playing like an auxiliary striker role, maybe two up top or maybe like a false nine. So I think there's two players that I would look at if you still want some of that Wolves exposure I think you'd probably go Neto or Podence, Marty. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I think if you do want the Wolves exposure, the price is fantastic on both these players. And uh, especially Pedro Neto, I think, has really impressed me as of late. He passes the eye test um, stats-wise. So he's, he's doing well. He really, really performed well in that Arsenal match with a goal and an assist. Um, plus, both these guys playing at, at the midfield position – um, if they do play, like you said, as an auxiliary striker or number nine, you get that extra point for five points uh, when they score a goal rather mm-hmm. than the four of a striker. So there is some upside there. I just think the the downside with Wolves right now is I just – I mean, I know they are scoring a bit, but they're not scoring a ton. And this this is a team who I – I'm curious to see how their offense looks without Jimenez and the team moving forward, especially with their upcoming fixtures, which aren't that great. Liverpool away this week. Astonville at home next week's not terrible, but then Chelsea, Burnley, Spurs, United, um, all between now and New Year's. So it's not the best run of fixtures. And I think for that reason, if if you are a Jimenez owner, although it would be a, a very good differential play to, to look at their attack, I think there's better options out there. Yeah. You know what the thing is with Wolves as well? Uh, like you said, you know, they're not scoring as much. We don't know how they're going to set up, how they're going to play. And they really haven't even scored. I mean, 11 goals puts them on level with Fulham right now. Um, so, you I mean, the goals aren't there even with Jimenez in the lineup. Maybe it might change. Maybe this would be a more, you know, open and attacking side because they'll have all that speed up front and not, you know, Jimenez. Jimenez has got some pace to him. But I think when you have Podence, maybe Silva and Neto, that's uh, – a pretty fast team and if they play on the counter attack or play on the front foot there could be goals there but yeah I think there's other options available especially at the forward spot I mean you look at the likes of maybe Dominic Calvert-Lewin but I'm not sure if people are, are jumping off him right now you know Marty because he's not he blanked again there's concern there but I think that's one player people would look at yeah I think DCL is always a good option especially because he's just slightly cheaper than Jimenez so you're saving a little bit of money but my uh my top two picks, well, one I'm not so sure about, but I want to, I want to discuss with you. But I'll, I'll go with my I – I wouldn't say he's a sure thing, but he's more of a sure thing than the other guy, and that's Patrick Bamford. Um, I know the fixture against Chelsea this weekend isn't ideal, but their, their fixtures open up after that. West Ham, Newcastle, United's never a bad fixture. And I think Leeds are almost one of those teams who are fixture-proof at this point. They're, they're always going to attack. They're always going to create chances and – Yes, Bamford has blanked in his last two, but his the amount of chances that this guy gets, the amount of shots in the box, um, and I'm not a big XG, you know, person. <laughs> I was just looking up I'm, XG too. But his XG amongst forwards is, is fantastic, and I, I I think he's you know he's someone who 
I don't have on my team, but he's definitely someone who I've got my eye on moving forward because at that price, 6.1, it's just fantastic. And if you were to downgrade Jimenez to someone like Bamford, um, you could easily upgrade your midfield um, or your defense, depending on what, what your situation is. But I really think he's the best pick, especially with Ollie Watkins not playing this weekend. I still think Leeds are going to attack Chelsea. They're going to create chances. It's, I think he's a very, very good option. And the other guy that I think is an interesting one, and a lot of people seem to be jumping on on this player's bandwagon right now um, in FPL, he has been picked up by over 120,000 managers, and that is Edinson Cavani. I wanted to see your, your opinion on this on him. I'm curious about how many minutes he's going to play, but his form seems to be turning. I mean, obviously the two goals and one assist against Southampton, and then, um, you know, we'll see if that's – if if that – run of form keeps going but I think he's a very interesting very big differential at 2.3 percent owned right now yeah I mean if he scores again that's going to shoot right up he played 45 minutes he looked really good I mean one of the most promising things I think is the chemistry between him and Bruno Fernandez immediately so I think that's very promising especially if you're a Bruno Fernandez owner you want to pair him up with a striker I'm not sure like you said how many minutes he's going to play if he's actually going to start, because I don't really trust Solskjaer. He doesn't really play informed players until he really needs to. So I'm not sure if Cavani's going to be the one starting. He looked pretty good uh, against PSG in the Champions League, but, you know, the chances were few and far between. I would probably hold off on Cavani for a while. I mean, if I want anybody from that Manchester United side, it's Bruno Fernandes, because he just doesn't matter who he plays or who Manchester United play. He's constantly putting up points, and he has so many avenues to get those points and shooting and assists and goals and penalties. He's the whole package. But yeah, in terms of Cavani, I would hold off on Cavani for a bit, but if you want a differential who's low owned and you're willing to take that risk, then I mean, it's not that bad of a play. I just don't know how much, how much time he's going to see. I mean, now they have who they have Rashford up top with Martial and Cavani. He's really battling with Martial in that position. They both started together in the champions league. So that can also be an option for Solskjaer. If he plays Cavani, at Martial. But like I said, I would hold off personally, but it's, uh, it's not a bad uh, risk to take, especially if he starts scoring goals and he's only owned by, would you say 3% Marty? Yeah. Under 3%. And I, yeah, I agree. So, I, mean, I think it's, it's not bad. Someone to throw on your watch list and monitor, but I think if you need somebody sooner than later, I'd go Bamford. If, yeah. If- I like, um, I like Bamford a lot. And like you said, it's not for a lack of trying that he isn't scoring that many goals. I mean, he had one ruled away against Crystal Palace. I think I sent you the picture where he was pointing where he wanted the pass. Yeah. And he scored that goal, but obviously VAR came in and said he was, his arm was over the line. So it was offside. He had chances in that last match uh, against Everton. So for Bamford, I think the goals are going to be pretty consistent this season. I just don't know if he'll be consistently scoring in every single game. He's like, I don't want to say he's streaky. The chances are there. He just doesn't always execute. So I would say he's like a an every other game type of goal scorer. And at that price, I think he's worth the risk. And Leeds are constantly on the attack. You know, Bielsa, their manager, said that they don't change their style no matter what. So if they don't change their style no matter what, they're going to be attacking every single team that they play. And I think you'd probably want a forward in that type of system. Another guy that I'm looking at, Marty, is Che Adams at Southampton. I really thought that Southampton, and especially him, were going to drop off in form and in performances, but they really haven't. I mean, he's been pretty consistent. He has a goal and an assist in his last two games. Actually, a goal, a goal and two assists in his last four matches. And then before that against Chelsea and Everton, he scored in both of those games. And now Danny Ings is coming back. So with that said, I think, 
his performances are probably going to continue to improve. And I like the system that Hassan Huddle and Southampton are currently playing, especially with James Ward-Prowse behind them, feeding him in. And now you have Bertrand back and you have Kyle Walker-Peters on either side, feeding balls into the box. They're great on the counterattack. They're great on the press. They constantly create chances. So at 5.9, I like bringing in Che Adams. Yeah, I like it as well. I think there's this year more than ever, there's a lot of great budget forward options. So I think, I think it's worth going rather than upgrading Jimenez. I think it's worth, you know, technically price wise downgrading him and maybe upgrading our midfield after that. Okay. Let's talk about Spurs. We, we talk about them every week, but we need to figure out what we're going to do with these people. So I think a lot of, a lot of players were a lot of owners, I should say, or FPL managers dropped either Kane or Sun last week. And I think, it made sense considering the matchup that they had against Chelsea. They obviously sat back. Kane and Son rarely touched the ball or barely touched the ball. They didn't have many chances. Um, but moving forward, I think in a match against Arsenal, I think both players are viable in that match. I don't think Spurs will play the same way that they did against Chelsea and Manchester City. I think they'll be more on the front foot. And as we both know, Kane is very good against Arsenal. Ten goals in all competitions. So I'm thinking if you still have both of them and you want to drop one, Moving forward, I would think maybe Sun is the one that needs to go. Yeah, I agree with you. And I was going to say it, but you beat me to it. Kane is, is virtually a lock against Arsenal. He, he scores, I mean, it feels like every single time now. So um, I do like that for sure. And the other thing, I think the issue with Sun, unfortunately for him, is that he's a midfield player in a year where these midfielders are just dominating in FPL. Yeah, that's and a good point. It's so it's so tough, especially. I mean, you look at we talked about him before. Jota, he's he's priced below Sun, so you, you're getting returns from a player who's saving you money. You have Grealish, who's priced below him as well, and then a lot of people want the premium players. You look at at Mo Salah, even obviously Kevin De Bruyne. A lot of people are going to want him against Fulham uh, against Fulham now. Excuse me, um, and then moving forward, their fixtures are incredible. So. I think Sun's issue is that he's a midfielder and, and people want Bruno, they want KDB, they want Mo Salah over him. But Harry Kane's benefit of being a forward is that you can still get a piece of the Spurs attack who they're going to score goals. They're going to score against Arsenal, I'm sure. Crystal Palace after that. And yes, they play um, Liverpool and Leicester. Their fixtures, we, we talked about it, I think, two weeks ago, about this run of fixtures is not that bad. And then once they get past this point, um, into the new year, their fixtures open up. They play Fulham, Leeds, Villa, Sheffield, a lot of really good matchups there. So I think long-term, it's worth keeping one. Um, if, if you don't have the budget for it, I get it. But I, I totally agree with you. I think Sun is probably the guy to drop just because of the issues of fitting all these players into your midfield. Um, and also, I think Kane, especially being on penalties, is, is a better guy to keep during the next couple of matches for sure. Yeah, and if you're worried about Spurs' style of play, it won't always be that way. They're not always going to sit back. They have multiple ways of playing. That's just how Mourinho wants to set them up against the bigger teams in the league, Chelsea, uh, Liverpool, Manchester City. So when they play those teams, and maybe even Leicester City coming up, that's how they're going to play. But um, when, they're, when they're playing a team, and maybe like Arsenal, who actually you know, sit back more than they actually do press on the front foot, I think Spurs will be the ones on the front foot. And when they play teams like Palace, and Fulham and Leeds and Aston Villa, it'll be Spurs that'll be pushing the pace. So I wouldn't put too much stock into how, how, how they are going to be playing moving forward based off 
of the City and Chelsea game. But yes, I agree with you, Marty. I think Kane is the one. Let's continue. Let's get into the captains. We've been rambling on and on. My, I'll give you my top three. You give me your top three. I'm going to go KDB against Burnley, Bruno Fernandez against West Ham, and I don't, even want to, I don't know. I'm between Vardy and Kane. I'm going to go Kane. Yeah, I think Kane, especially as a – I mean, he's not a differential in terms of ownership, but in hold terms on, of Hold on, hold on. Are you going to captain Kane? Uh, definitely not. <laughs> and, I mean, it, it's not just – I'm going to keep of, an eye on your team. It's not out of principle. It's, it's just because I truly think that De Bruyne against Fulham is the best matchup this weekend for anyone. So, you would, so. You, would, you would captain Kane against Arsenal? I would – well – if I, so you're saying if I didn't... If everyone um, else had a bad matchup and Kane, it was Kane against Arsenal, that was probably the way that everyone was going to go because Kane was probably going to score. Yeah, I'm going to say absolutely I would never do that. Uh, and I don't know. No, I mean, I, I, my pride is more important than some points in FPL. I can't, I can't you know... I know, some dude, Sometimes juju. I wish that we could just, you know, you can cancel out a game oh. on FPL for a week. It's like, you know, I don't want to... Let's just not deal with this this week. This is the one for me, for sure. I don't have any Arsenal players, so I don't have that problem. But I don't think anybody does. It's not worth it. I had, so, I had, I had so much hope for Aubameyang this year. I really do. I'm like, he's going to tear it up, even though I, I don't want him to. I'm just like, he probably will because, you know, of the goal score that he is. So I'm thankful that he hasn't. Yeah, I mean, it's been a very painful year, as, as you know, for, for me and for many other Arsenal fans out there. But <laughs> it's, you know, it is what it is. It's, you know, I'm still... Still going to wake up on, on Saturday morning and turn that TV on, even though I know it's going to ruin my weekend. So You think so? Is that how you're feeling? Oh, yeah. That's my feeling every weekend now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Before we get, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get into the games. Give me your captain's picks. My captain's picks are number one, KDB against Fulham. Uh, number two, I'm going, I agree, Bruno West Ham. And uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to go Vardy against Sheffield. And then Kane is kind of like my number four guy, just because as it, and although I agree, I think he's a good captaincy option this weekend. These fixtures, like as bad as Arsenal have been for a while now, yeah. there's just something about the North London Derby that like, I can never predict. Like I have no idea. I mean, I know I said it before, he's almost a lock against Arsenal always, but I feel like if I were to captain him or if someone were to captain him, it's almost like, it's not going to happen. It's just those, this is yeah. the, the fixture. I mean, I'm yeah. not saying Spurs aren't going to score, but it's you captain Kane, he won't score. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's, it's one mm-hmm. of those, those weird things, but um, I think he's, he's definitely an option for sure. But I, I just don't think he's the best option this weekend unless, unless you are looking for a differential. But for me as a KDB owner, I have to go with him against Fulham. Yeah. I, sorry. I said KDB against Burnley. I meant KDB against Fulham, even though Fulham looked pretty good in their last match against Leicester City. But for some reason, Leicester City struggle against these teams, but they definitely step up when they play the bigger teams. Last week, we did the upsets of the week. I said Burnley <laughs> over Manchester City. It was more of a joke. But then if it actually happened, I would have been going nuts on this podcast today. But City smashed Burnley. You had Southampton over Manchester United, which probably should have happened, Marty. I know. I jinxed it. You did jinx it, but Southampton looks so good. I'm like, how do you give that up? Come on. I know. It's 2-0. Just for, those, for everybody listening, it's 2-0, and I texted Albert. I'm like, yeah. oh, upset pick of the week, and then sure enough. 2-0 two, two means nothing in the Premier League anymore. 3-0 means nothing in the Premier League anymore. If you go 3-0 into the half, it's not safe. It's never safe. Unless you're Manchester City against Burnley then. 
that's the case. But anyway, let's go with Marty, your upset pick of the week. Hmm. This is another week where it's it's an interesting one. I mean, I don't see many like Leeds Chelsea for some reason. There's something about Leeds this year. Every time I look at them playing, I'm like, ah, they could upset somebody. So maybe Leeds Chelsea, but I'm I'm gonna do it. That's the one that feels right to me. As much as I want to say Arsenal upset Spurs, I don't know if that's happening. So I'm going to say Leeds Chelsea. If there was ever a time for Arsenal to get their season on track, it's right now. And that's probably <laughs> what Arteta is probably telling his players. He's like, this is a North London derby. This means a lot to me. This should mean a lot to you guys. And if we want to figure out, or if we want to straighten out, you know, kind of what's going on in this team, whatever it is, I mean, this is a good starting point because then you'll get the fans you pretty much get the fans back after beating by beating Tottenham or vice versa. So this would be a big week for Arsenal. I'm not taking them, just so you people know, as my upset pick of the week. I'm going to go West Ham over Manchester United. Not that big of an upset based on the way West Ham has been playing. They've just been really good defensively. And they have options now going forward. I mean, I like Antonio. I'm a big fan of Antonio. I like this Gerard Bowen kid. Saeed Ben Rama from, I think, Brentford, they signed him. He came on in the second half against Villa, and he just changed the game completely. And like I said, defensively, they've been pretty good as well. So I'm going to go West Ham over Manchester United. I do have a sneaky feeling that Fulham uh, take a point away, or take two points away, I should say, for Manchester City. So that'll be an interesting game. It's another big week. Marty, Liverpool, Wolves, Spurs, Arsenal, Sheffield, Leicester, West Brom, Crystal Palace on Sunday. And on Saturday, we have Burnley, Everton, City, Fulham, West Ham, United, Chelsea, Leeds, and on Monday wraps it all up with a big clash between Brighton and Southampton. That's a big Monday. Can't, can't wait. I mean, I do like these extended weekends, though, just because, you know, with everybody working from home, it's nice to throw on a, on a match on, uh, on Monday afternoon and watch some Premier League. But we'll see how it goes. Okay, Marty. As always, it was a pleasure talking to you. Pleasure having you on. You can follow him on Twitter at Marty, E-H-M-A-R-T-Y. You can follow me on Twitter at the real Bert V, T-H-E-R-E-A-L-B-E-R-T-V. I almost forgot how to spell my own name. That's the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening. 